Hello and welcome to In Search of Tracks podcast. Today we're going to skip right over Mars on our way to Jupiter. But first, my name is Pete. <laughs> my name is Bob. How you doing today, Pete? I'm doing okay. Um, I've been uh, very slowly and carefully digging through my record collection and trying to weed a lot of things out. So mm, at mm. some point, I might even plug my uh, Discogs name because I'm going to get oh, rid of some stuff and maybe some listeners do. are interested. I don't know. Maybe please you're do. interested. Who knows? Please do. No, I love that. Please get it out there. Um, spread that Spread that world. Uh, first and foremost... This is a music-based podcast. Why, why are you clearing out some records? Um, because this podcast has forced me to listen to too much music, and I don't like it anymore. Um, <laughs> no, I, just, uh, <laughs> um, I have too many records. That's, that's it. Um, and I realized that there are a lot of records I bought and I was very excited about and maybe never went back to, and then I go back to them, and I'm not all that stoked on them. Um, or, you know, the love affair with them is faded, whatever it is, uh, or I just have too many and, you know, you don't need every record of all the bands that you like. So just, uh, just cleaning house, you know, you got to clean house every once in a while. I've kind of always like bought a lot. It's, it's always been like a binge and purge situation with me, honestly, my entire life. So, uh, that's just kind of what it is. A normally negative association with binge and purge. However... I think records, it's a good energy. I think it's I think cool so to too. buy them, have them for a while, and then you go through and go, what do I really care about? What do I want? It's it's um, it's kind of healthy collecting habits. So uh, that is a talking point that we may touch on in a uh, upcoming talker ep- episode. Cool. Um, but before we do that, Pete, we've got a record to talk about. More importantly, we haven't talked about snacks lately. Have you had any good <laughs> treats? Um, I had a great dinner. Um, mm-hmm. I put some chicken on the grill. It was oh, fantastic. My favorite. Mm-hmm. But um, I haven't really had any good snacks recently. I've been, I've been, I think I've been hitting the barbecue so hard this summer that you know when I'm when I'm not at a barbecue, I'm trying to eat pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I've been keeping the snacks to a minimum. But what about you? Um, I've been trying to eat lean. I've been uh, if I eat a big meal, it's midday. Um, so that has been interesting because it also means I've been eating like very birdish otherwise, like maybe a salad for dinner, uh, had a, had like a good two weeks where I wasn't really eating much in the morning. Yeah. I'd have some, some try to make sure I get my liquids, but then otherwise, uh, maybe a red juice, like a beet juice or something. But, um, this is, by the way, this is where you guys get to see the other side of me and Pete talking about secretly (laughs) going well, um, (laughs) But let's see tonight. Tonight for dinner, the juices. I like the juices. Yeah, I actually, oh, the juices are a good move, man. Trader I'm, Joe's. See, I'm, a, I'm a smoothie guy. I, 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 I make I like smoothies smoothie. all all uh, all summer for breakfast. That's not a bad move. I, I make smoothies for my significant other almost every day. So, nice. got to keep her proteins up. Um, I uh, I so for dinner tonight was a uh, quinoa salad that we do with watermelon, fresh cilantro. Uh, chickpeas and roasted pine nuts. Oh, that's um, a good salad. Nice salad, really nice. Uh, we've been getting great peaches recently, um, so that's been nice. We've been killing peaches the last couple of days. And then, yeah, speaking of peaches, yesterday's dinner was a 
halloumi and peach salad, which was awesome. So wow. shout out, shout out to, uh, to Amanda for doing that. And I helped with the ideas and I cooked the halloumi and chopped up the watermelon. So look at me. Look at you. Um, I did. I did sneak. Uh, I snuck some barbecue at a spot in Connecticut that I had have long been curious about, but finally had the opportunity to go to. Um, overall, pretty good. Good brisket sandwich. Nice. Pretty good greens. Um, and here's the problem. The honey butter cornbread sounds awesome, right? It was Does just okay. Good. It was just okay. And I think if it had been awesome, Try. I would be plugging them. It, it wasn't. It just... They, it wasn't like one big piece of cornbread that was cut. It was like three little, like bite size, like pop them size corn biscuit, little like mini muffins almost, if okay. I will. So, if it had, if those had been exceptional, you'd all be getting the plug. If somebody's really curious about this spot, hit me up and we'll, I'll, I'll share, I'll share the deets. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's the food update for everybody. Nice. Yeah. No other food updates for me. I haven't been eating anything interesting, and I don't really cook. So for me, it's well, the, uh, the, the barbecue and the grilling is nice, though. That's, yeah, that's see, a, I can I can handle a grill, but I can't when it comes like those those salads. If I really put my mind to it, I could do it, but I uh, I don't. <laughs> Yo, uh, well, I am I am much much older, so maybe <laughs> in time. Um, what are we talking about today? <laughs> We're going to talk about. Um, the band Cave-In, their yeah. second LP, technically, right? Yep, um, yep. Jupiter. Um, I always think it's their third because they had a collection record that predated all of this stuff, I think. But yes. um, it is their second. And it came out in the year 2000. And they're an interesting band. Been around for a long time. I think they took a brief hiatus and maybe the late aughts. Um, but then came back, um, they just recently put out a new record on relapse. And I think the plan is for relapse to reissue all of this stuff, including Jupiter until your heart stops. Um, most of those kind of early records. So that's exciting. And yeah, cool band. This is kind of marks a, this record marks a shift for them. Yes. The record before this was called until your heart stops. And it was more of kind of a, you know, technical, Metal metalcore record yeah um and this sounds very different to that so um we were both around for it at the time um and i guess we can get into that before we start doing our track by track so what was your uh feel on this when it came out i loved it the second i heard it nice i was um i don't know i think i heard this probably within four to six months of release. And Do you remember to, where you heard it for the first time, by the way? Yeah, I think I heard it at Generation Records. Um, okay. I think. For some reason, now, and I'm sorry ahead. to interrupt. No, please. I have a memory, and I, I thought you were there because we did so many curmudgeon trips together. Curmudgeon oh. is an old old record store in New Jersey. Yo, was it at curmudgeon? Did we yeah, go to curmudgeon and, I, and hear I, this? I think we were together because I remember we walked in yeah. and this was playing and you or I or someone we were with was like, Hey, what are you playing? And the guy was yeah. like, this is the new cave in. He's like, I never liked this band, but like this record is awesome. And 
I think it was you. We were both just like, wow. All right, cool. You know what? That's what it was, man. Thank you for the memory. I'm so happy you did because that's one of those moments. One, I very much am that dude who asks the person at the record store, hey, what is this? Um, (laughs) uh, And a cheat code. If if you want to hear cool music, go to record stores because people at record stores play cool music. Um, And new cool music quite often. For sure. Or weird shit. Or if they play something really horrendous, they might just not watch you around. And that's that's a that's okay too. Um (laughs) old record store guy trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That memory is coming back to me. I remembered it because to this point I was not a Caven fan whatsoever. Because their sound shifted a lot. Now there's an EP that comes out before this, Creative Eclipses. Mm Mm-hmm that I went back to and did like um, posthumous and uh, not posthumously, but after Jupiter came out, I enjoyed this record so much that I went back to it. But cave before, as you, you said, they were a harsh technical metallic band, heavy, heavy, really like ugly twisted kind of music intense stuff yeah really intense um until your heart stop actually would be a fun activity on an academic listen mm-hmm. to try to break down uh maybe would be our most <laughs> aggressive record besides the dillinger escape plan record we did yep maybe more i don't know i certainly more so than the dillinger record we did i mean which which for the record even that was if you if you listen to beyond Hypo- hypothermia which is like the collection of i think yes. early tracks that came before until your heart stops until your heart stops is like an epic leap forward compared to that stuff too. So like every one of their early records is a real kind of transitional record. It's interesting. Yeah, no, for sure. And so this record is such a shift in sound that I, um, I wasn't expecting, I had no idea. And this also speaks to the time, uh, sometimes a band could shift sound and you didn't have any idea as a member of the audience, like the general public, right? Yep. So it caught, you know, record store dudes, curmudgeon, shout out, RIP, uh, by surprise. And it caught us by surprise. I, I remember being like, whoa, I like this. It um, By that point, I was already get, getting into some kind of post-hardcore stuff. I certainly loved Quicksand. Mm-hmm. And I think you can hear a little touches of that on this record. Um, little touches and certainly in the direction of that. And just from the open of Jupiter, this is a really kind of uh, decidedly different energy than any of their other material. And I was caught immediately. So that's the first time I heard it. And I believe I bought it used that generation some months later. Okay. Like used promo CD, the trick when you were a broke 18 year old. <laughs> True. Yeah. Or you get in early and get the promo. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Like when they put it out, when the, when the record store guy doesn't like it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Um, um, so, so what about you? What, what, because you actually were a fan of the early material. Yeah. So I was a fan. I really liked Beyond Hypothermia and Until Your Heart Stops. I think I saw them early with, uh, God, there was a show in Middlesex early on that I think it was like you it's one of those lineups you look back on now and, and given like, what's damn. happened yeah, given what's happened in music it's like it's not co- comparable but it's like when you see like a minor threat show with the Bad Brains and all the other, you know, great bands of the time. 
Yeah. It was like Caven, Shihalu, the Degenerics, uh, and like a few others. Hatebreed, maybe. It was it was yeah. wild. But um saw them early on, really, really liked them. That's when they were again like heavier, more technical, but I was really into that stuff too. So um I think I had a taste for the like heavy metal stuff in a way that you probably didn't. Um Absolutely. So I was really feeling it, big fan. And then when I heard the brief little bit that I heard at Curmudgeon that day, I was definitely surprised because it was before, you know, like maybe a sing- single was available. I guess Creative Eclipses came out, but I I don't really remember hearing that until after Jupiter. Right. Um, well, so, so Creative Eclipses just, it absolutely hints at this direction. Like, you you know. For sure. There's there's something going on here sonically. They're doing yep. something different. I guess I'm just thinking about like the way that music rolls out now. You know, you hear yeah. the first single, you hear the second single, then the record gets released and whatever. Um, back then, like that was just it was like here's the record, and you had no idea what to expect. So, I guess I heard you know a few songs in the record store that day. I picked it up. It must have been a few weeks later, probably, and really just listened to it like a lot like that was a record that i went back to a lot um i still got it i still put it on here and there i actually put it on when i was listening for this episode i put it on with some friends that came down to visit from boston and they were like man throwback but like everyone knew the the words and like was really into it it's it's i feel like it's one of those records where if you were into it at the time it kind of has a special place for you um so yeah, I was I was a fan, and then really continued listening to their stuff until Antenna. Mm-hmm. I think yep. I saw them. They opened for the Foo Fighters, and I saw them as weird as that is um, when they were touring for Antenna, and I really liked that one too. If I'm being honest, even though I know a lot of people hate on that one, um, and haven't I've like kind of dipped in and out here and there. I kind of check in when they put a new record out, but nothing's really hit me the way that those early records did. Yeah. So. Well, we should get into talking about the record a bit here. Um, and I mean, uh, the reason we discussed this record is because this is a pivot. Yep. There are certainly different schools of thought on Caven in terms of what uh, what era you like the most and blah, blah, blah. But I would say for the most part, you're talking about either Until Your Heart Stop folks or Jupiter people. Mm-hmm. So it's if you like Until Your Heart Stops, you probably like Until Your Heart Stops and the Beyond Hypothermia. Um, if you like Jupiter, you probably like Antenna, Perfect Pitch Black, et cetera, et cetera. And then their songs kind of vacillate. Their songs, their, their albums vacillate sonically a bit. Um, and I lose track of them completely after Perfect Pitch Black. I haven't heard White Silence or Final. I did hear Final Transmission, but I haven't gone back to, to it. People have told me these last two albums are awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So um, The new I'm, one was really solid. Um, yeah. I think I liked it more than any cave-in I've heard since Antenna. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, just people as have a, seen them live and said they're great. In like in, in recent months, as a, a very not side note, uh, the bassist Caleb Schofield passed um, about four years ago now, um, and he was a part of these records. Uh, he was a part of Jupiter for sure. Um, I believe he was also a part of Until Your Heart Stops, and and was a, a member 
um, until his passing. Uh, he also was a part of a project called Old Man Gloom, mm-hmm. which was, I think, members of Caven and Isis and maybe a few other bands. Uh, I was a big fan of, I think, what record is it? I think that the Meditations in B record and then maybe, yeah, maybe it's Seminar 2. Those records are these really heavy, sludgy, weird records that uh, shout out to my buddy Jeff introduced me to and I actually listened to for a little while. I should actually continue. So this is the thing to say. Caven was a collection of very musical folks doing a lot of stuff. Um, If you are into this record, explore. Uh, Mutoid Man is kind of an interesting band as well. Uh, you know, yep. I think there's a lot of different things. And this they have a large catalog. Um, that being said, I have a question for you, Pete. Are you more of a Beyond Hypothermia and Until Your Heart Stops Caven fan or a Jupiter and Beyond Caven fan? I would say Jupiter and, and Antenna, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I've listened to those two records I've listened to Until Your Heart Stops and Beyond Hypothermia a lot, and I really, really like those records. But um, for whatever reason, Jupiter and Antenna both hit me pretty hard, and I listened to them a ton. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's where I that's where I lean. So, yeah, uh, and and also not for nothing, Creative Eclipses is fantastic too. Yeah. So, um, overall themes and thoughts of this record, I think it is the man. Do I think that? I think this is the best pivot record of all time. Wow. Um, In terms of how they move from one extreme sound until your heart stops to Jupiter, which is very palatable. If you play Jupiter at your cubicle, there's a couple parts that people might give you a side eye, (laughs) but they won't make you shut it off. Maybe just turn it down a little bit. You cannot play until your heart stops in the call center. I like that. That's always the, uh, the, the, the test testing ground. You You ever worked in a place with cubicles? (laughs) I have. Yeah. uh, Yeah. 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 It's, uh, if you work in a place with cubicles and if for some reason you work in a place with cubicles where you can actually have music on, you're tough. You're lucky if you get like JRZ or WOBM, like soft rock hits of the nineties. <laughs> um, but, but no, that, that's where I try to go. I don't think your norm friend who listens to contemporary rock radio, I, I think you could play this in front of an Imagine Dragons fan and they'd be like, Oh, this is pretty neat. This is like aggressive. All right. It's not a direct comparison, but if you're into any of the, not underground, but like alternative to major label alternative, like, like Muse and all these bands, I feel like it's like even the Mars Volta, even like, like all just like weirdo bands that weren't on the radio as much as they maybe could have been a few years later Mm -hmm. or something. I feel like, those kids might be into this who would have, you know, in my imaginary universe, no like prior training on punk or hardcore or metalcore. If that makes True. sense. 
Yeah, I think I think that's so. That's where I fall with it. Jupiter. Yes, exactly right. You don't need to come from the that background, and I think it's the most successful version of it. I don't <clears throat> coming from something so aggressive. Like until your heart stops. To this day is a very aggressive, um, very aggressive record. <laughs> I think yeah. it still holds up even in a world that has moved 23 years more into aggression. Um, and then to be able to pull off what they do with Jupiter, I can't think, can you even think of another example? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a ballsy statement to say the best transition. What'd you say? The best transition record pivot, ever? Pivot, pivot record. The best pivot yep. record ever. I mean, I would have to think long and hard about that, but it's certainly like top tier pivot record um, just because it somehow seems so seamless. I know that they did get a lot of blowback for this. Um, and I think people like OG fans were unhappy about it for a while. But I think they also gained a lot of new fans, such as yourself. So I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested to see kind of the, the cost-benefit analysis of how many fans were gained versus how many fans were lost. Well, at the time, I think it was uh, polarizing. Yeah. Uh, it, and <clears throat> for people who are unfamiliar with weird subcultural niche music, um, sometimes people don't like change. I think especially if you're going from a really aggressive place to a more uh, moderate or easily digested or palatable sound, it's hard. That said, I find Jupiter so listenable even in the present tense. Uh, I haven't given it the academic hard listen in a long time. Long time. Really love this record. But it's been off radar, no pun, uh, for a while because it's just a record I know pretty well. And it, I want to say, I do, but I also realized I cut out after about four tracks, usually. Huh. Um, I actually, on this listen, I, I really do enjoy it. But it's not, it's not like it's a, it's not a outrageously long record either. You know what I mean? So um, on the full listen... <clears throat> um, I really, really enjoyed it. I was impressed with it. And I think they were very conscious of what they were doing. It certainly, in the present tense, hurt the band. But in the long view, and here's my question to you, I would say it helped the band. I think this band has had a rich career because they made a bold decision to go, hey, we like doing that stuff. We were young. And as our tastes and our interests evolved, we wanted to do music. And it set a tone for their band, which, to be honest, I think allowed them to do what they wanted creatively with less limitations than one would assume. So I think so too. I mean, I think that there's, you know, over, if on a long enough timeline, people come back to certain things. And I think that at this point, Jupiter is really. Um, celebrated and I think it was it was definitely celebrated at the time it was just in different circles than where they had come from right so it's uh mm -hmm. it's it was interesting um but I'll I'll never forget actually I saw them in San Francisco with Converge 
Um, and I think it was like 2005. I think it was right around the time the perfect pitch black came out. Yeah. And they played maybe one or two songs from antenna, but it was mostly Jupiter and perfect pitch black songs. Yeah. Um, and it, the, the audience was pretty aggressive, just kind of yelling at them to play until your heart stops songs. <sighs> like to the point where the bass player, Caleb, you said, yeah. Um, like kind of got in everyone's face and was like, Hey man, like we worked really hard on writing these songs. You know, Steve, Steve Brodsky, the singer worked really hard on kind of singing differently. Like we're going for a different thing. Yep. Just can't just let us do our thing. You know, like we'll be off stage soon. And then they closed with, I think the opener on until your heart stops and you know, the place went nuts and everyone was psyched, but I was honestly more psyched for all the Jupiter songs, but there was, maybe it was a particularly aggressive audience i'm sure it was but you could really you you could really tell that uh i'm sure that wasn't the only place that they got that you know right um, and you could tell it was it's just kind of a drain on the on the vibe you're trying to do something new and creative and interesting and take your band to a different place and you know you have these kind of these people just yelling at you. It's just, it's, I, I can't imagine. I imagine yeah. that's pretty difficult, but yeah, I think, I think over time, I'm sure the old fans are back in the mix. If they're still interested in cave in, um, I know they kind of sort of started toying around with kind of a mix of their older sound versus their newer sound. So I think it all worked out for them in the end, but yeah, I imagine that was like a tough little bit there. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think w- what I would hope is that, the tracks define this band more than that kind of energy because I couldn't imagine like, here's the deal. Could they have written a follow up to until your heart stops? That was a direct linear evolution because I think if you actually, and that's the activity I didn't do that I would actually think would be fun. And maybe we'll do that as a continuation is do until your heart stops. But with the thought of listening to that in comparison to Jupiter, Mm Mm-hmm can we find through threads? Can we find connective tissue? Because I found that in the Blitz Second Empire Justice LP. There definitely is. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm willing to bet there is some on this record. I mean, outside of the obvious, which I think you hear in, you know, some of Big Riff, for example. Yeah. But but I think you would find some connective tissue. So the question then becomes, is a niche music genre so limiting that unexpected evolution of music is frowned upon? The answer is largely yes, and that's unfortunate. <laughs> so, um, but, but, but I will say this quite often, bands coming from these spaces are not as talented or creative as, uh, as the folks in Cave In. So, quite often, the pivot leads to uh, underwhelming results. For so, sure. Pete, let's go into the track by track. Let's do it. All right. Cave in Jupiter. Uh, also, the uh, this this is the title track of our album, Jupiter. <laughs> it is also called Jupiter.
this is peak post-hardcore song to me. It's great. Yeah, I, I like that you call it post-hardcore. For some reason, that did not come into my mind, but that's obviously a part of what it is for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, where do you place it if you don't put in post-hardcore? I don't alt? know. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think of them as being kind of alt-leaning just because, mm-hmm. and and that's definitely more true on Antenna than it is on this record. Yep. Um, but although there's, I think this record and Jupiter are similar in a lot of ways. This record and, and Antenna? Yeah. Or sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, this record and Antenna. Um, but uh, it's definitely, I mean, it's got that heavy that post-hardcore has. It's got that groove sometimes that post-hardcore has. Um, but I also, I think there's a lot of, like, bands like Isis went on to do it. And mm-hmm. bands like Neurosis were doing it before them, where you'll have like really big kind of portions of a song that then break down where, you know, almost all of the instruments cut out and it's just the drums kind of playing a consistent beat. And then that kind of builds into, into its own thing. Um, there's a lot of that on this too, which, which are Neurosis post hardcore. I guess they could be in that mix a little bit, but that's like, like post-metal almost in a way. Um, so I hear some of that too. But yeah, I, I I had a hard time placing this on this recent listen, honestly. But I think post-hardcore is a pretty good place. I think that's where it is. I think you can go alt-metal, but it's that feels degrading to this because there's so much bad alt-metal. Sure. Um, and there's a place I'm going to touch on at the end, and I'm going to save it as a tease. Uh, okay. This song, the song Jupiter, is driving pulsing energetic in every way that until your heart stops is not despite the fact that you could use some of those same words in a different register to describe until your heart stops sure the vocals still feel fresh and really upfront but the way that it separates is these are really really clear you can understand every word it's like enunciation uh class yeah. on this song you know um so i think it's this is the song you hear this and you get pulled in and you go, this is the head turner. Like, what is this? Yep. Um, and they, they have a strong sense of drama. There's really good stopping. There's really good pull, pull you in parts. It's an impressive song. Yeah. I think it's great. It's an awesome intro track. I love the drum roll at the beginning. It starts off super strong. Um, good dynamic between soft and loud that they kind of play yep. with throughout the whole record. Um, yes, they do. The guitars, I like that you made note of the enunciation. I did that too. Um, and I also like how a lot of the guitar riffs will kind of, the, the vocals are sang kind of in unison with the guitar rick, the, the mm-hmm. guitar riffs. Um, typically, I, I feel like that stuff can be pretty corny, but they really pull it off really well here. Um, mm-hmm. And the guitars themselves are actually pretty sparse, but they're really effective. Like they drop in and out a lot. Um but it's really tastefully done. Um, I think it's great. I mean, it, if you're like a new listener and you've only heard until your heart stops, this signals a complete shift in sound, but yeah, the energy is so on point that I feel like it draws you in regardless of, uh, like where your interests might be. You know, it's funny you said that about the guitars being sparse, but effective. And like when they're there, they're, you can feel them. Yeah. I like when guitarists, who are you can tell are the primary songwriters here have a strong sense of percussion. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think that's when you hear post-hardcore done right, when you hear this like sound that's alternative, but also has a little more groove to it, a little more energy um, that's pushing and pulling in different ways as far as tempo goes, the best to do it are the ones who have a strong sense of rhythm and and then push that into how the percussion is going to interplay with guitar. For and sure. Jupiter is a great version of that. For sure. Um, next track, In the Stream of Commerce. So this one, I, I really like this song. I feel like it flows. Th- this record has a great flow to it, kind of just Absolutely. overall. And I think that this second song flows really well from the first song. Um, it's it's a little bit more kind of rhythm section driven. Um, the guitars, I think, you know, maybe we do the Until Your Heart Stops deep dive at some point. But the through line for me is honestly the 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 kind of high note guitar riffs that they have going on here yes <laughs> um kind of it it feels kind of spacey it feels almost psychedelic but they definitely had that going on a little bit until your heart stops and and that's kind of the through line here for me um i like how the drums fill the space on oh, the really sparse parts yes. the drumming on this record is awesome um and uh yeah i mean there's there's kind of sort of a like hardcore-esque or maybe post-hardcore-esque breakdown mm-hmm. at the end, which I like. I mean, that to me is like what, what brings it full circle into like still having at least like somewhat of a connection to the hardcore world. But um, I really like this one. And this one, I guess, gets a little bit more melodic than they have thus far on the record, which which is cool. And it's kind of like a nice uh, taste of things to come, I guess. Yeah, Um this is in the genre that I've made up in my head called Snake Charmer song. <laughs> this has some of that spacey but fading pitch on the guitar, like where it goes, you know, kind of pans on you as you listen. Yeah. Um, this song is the giant red siren saying, this is not until your heart stops. If you're waiting for one of those songs, you're going to be waiting. Um, I really like the transitions between different parts of this song. Uh, there's this kind of consistent flow for for what I would describe as a somewhat busy song. There's a lot going on, right? For sure. Uh, the vocal definitely helps center it, but then there's that reprieve to the big riff, which I, I really like. I think this is a, a cool, cool song. Um, and I think it sort of pairs well. I think this song into the next track, Big Riff, they're, they're not... They're not twins, but maybe they're cousins. You know, like there's there's a pairing to these songs that I think makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. So let's talk about Big Riff. Uh, Lots of space effects. Yep. Background. Um, Big guitars. You know, like here we're getting the big guitars. Um, You do have some of the more hard parts. I think it's adding depth to that. To this, if you're only listening to this record isolated some of our reference points to until your heart stops, you might catch on this song. It's kind of hinting at that more aggressive sonic uh, history that they yeah. have, but it's still really a nice song. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think, is this like a cave in favorite at this point? I feel like it has oh, yeah. to be. Oh yeah. This um, is a big one. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is my favorite song on the record and at about 4.5 minutes in, when it builds like the you're another coat of red and hell part might be my favorite like moment on the record. Um, and the outro is great. I mean, like I, I think this is the best song on the record. I really love this song. 
this is a song that like I put on my own like personal mixtapes uh, back in the day when it came out. Um, I do think that this, to your point, this is the the song that if you play it in the cubicle, you got to turn it down a little bit because it does have the screaming and the kind of the guttural vocals that um, they had in until your heart stops as well. So yeah, I feel it's, that it's, it's, that's, it's, that's the moment I said, you have to turn it down. Like exactly. your, your uh, supervisor comes over and goes, ah, Bill, um, we all like your music. We think it's pretty cool, <laughs> but, um, would you mind? I think, I think, you know, Karen was saying it's, it's just a little loud, just a little loud. Yeah. Just, just, just a nudge, just a smidge lower. Oh, thanks. Oh, that's, that's perfect. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who, I mean, who is this? Oh, is, oh, Caven. Oh, yeah, I've heard of. Yep, yep, I've heard of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw them I with the Foo Fighters. <laughs> I think my son. I think my son likes them a lot too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, yeah, um, innuendo and out the other. reprieve from the big riff yes a little bit more mellow um i feel like after kind of the hardest song on the record they had to bring it down a notch and get a little spacier yes um some great sounds um really cool production on this song um and i like it in the flow of the record but it's not a song that i go to um yeah i i feel much the same they start when I say I, I go to this record, this is, I don't tune out, but I start to, you know, on recreational listens, I've, I've starting to tune here, but on a harder listen, I, I thought this was kind of this weird odd mission statement song. Kind of, uh, I found the lyrical content to be cooler than I remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, write a letter to yourself about yourself, boring us with every detail. Someday I'd like to land as bitter as I am. Nothing affects me anymore. <laughs> there's the the chorus being there's something when all the efforts you've made are hiding in your room while everyone else continues to stand exactly where I most belong. Um, yo, okay, <laughs> damn. <laughs> um, good lyrics. I think they succeed with the song structure. Bold, but it's fundamentally sound. So even a song like this that neither of us is saying as our favorite Caven song works. And um, can keep you engaged. And and again, you're totally right. Really works in the flow of the record. Yeah. Uh, next song, Brain Candle. Um, so this was an interesting one. It's it's funny doing the deep dive because I never thought about these songs individually because I feel like the record flows so well. Same. Um, but this is like, it's like a heavy 60s psych pop 
jangle in a way it's it's <laughs> yeah. it's cool it's like it's it's kind of unique in the in the songs on this record absolutely but then it like hits these like signature high notes that they're again like is kind of like their their like signature kind of thing that they're doing between all these records i think um it's not again it's not one of my favorites on the record but i really like how it moves there's some tambourine and like interesting percussion at the end it's a cool it's a cool like kind of pick me up song in the in the midst of the record particularly after innuendo and out the other yeah i find this to be a really solid song um it moves along at a clip and i i I hear what you're saying about that kind of 60s psych touches here too um and i think that's one of the more fascinating parts about the song otherwise it's not it doesn't pull me in like the first two tracks do Sure. Um, I think it's good, not great, but uh, I, I think we start to enter. A, the best part about it is the efficiency in sound. It's only like three and a half minutes, mm-hmm. and I think they do a lot in that three and a half minutes. Whereas the next track, Requiem, it's a cool song. Pete, it's nine minutes long. It's a long one. So for me, Requiem has lots of good parts, but when I'm doing the math, it doesn't add up to an exceptional song. I really enjoy the end of it, actually. Like the last three minutes of it, I'm like, whoa, this is really good. But I lost myself before that. Um, There's this kind of churning part, churning almost heavier guitar part with about two minutes left in the song. And then it transitions and it's this really kind of softer, catchy uh, stretch. And I, I found the song to be really good Sure. at that point. But I'm like, whoa there was six and a half minutes of the song that I almost just blacked out during. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because it's, it's hard to pick apart for me because I've heard this record so many times and I, I honestly really like all the songs on this record. I mean, I, I stuck with it and it's been in rotation for me for a long, long time for a reason. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. When you think about the individual tracks, um, I think what they're really good at here is, this is a nine minute song, but at the same time, there's no individual piece of this song that goes on for too long. In my opinion, like they could have really like bloated this record out. Um, and you know, done some kind of pretentious noisy, like eight minute noise section parts. And they really don't do that. Like they really keep the, the, the songs moving, even if they're longer songs, which I think really plays well on this. Um, so, you know, there's a quieter opening on this. Um, it starts at certain points to feel like kind of proggy. Like, I feel like this is one of the proggier songs they have on this record. There's a lot of different parts. There's a lot of tempo shifts. Um, I think my favorite part is like the kind of spacey, scary part that's like five and a half minutes in. Um, and I really like how big it gets at the end. Um, but I like that they overall, I just, I, I like that they don't let things sit for too long and they keep it moving. Um, which works really well, even for a longer song. Yeah. Weird note that I didn't make, but I think of, do you hear elements of rush on this record? I do, um, here and there, but then I also hear elements of like sleep in other places. So like, I, I feel like they're. Well, like when I really think about it, the big riff is like a stoner rock song just done differently. 
No, then, I, I don't disagree. I think they, it, they were very aware of that kind of whole heavier rock world of the 90s. For sure, yeah. And then innuendo was – and now the other is, is you know, something else, just kind of like spacey, kind of more mellow vibe. And then, like, you got the 60s psych pop with a heavier tinge, and then you have the kind of prog rock with, like, a metalcore tinge. I mean, it's there's a lot here if you really – dig into it i'd be curious what they were listening to at the time honestly oh, such a good question and i bet we could probably find it out there but um yeah it's it's a great question um decay yeah. of the delay instrumental uh cool i like it it's one of those things where in the flow of the record it feels perfect yeah um on an isolated track level, I don't know why anyone would ever just throw this one on, mm-hmm. but it works perfectly in this flow. And on a vibe setter, I think it helps the flow. Like it, there's a there's an element here. Like I, I want to be careful. This is not a concept record, to my knowledge. Doesn't read like that. Lyrical content wouldn't make me think that either. Mm-hmm. But in the concept of a record, in the concept of what this record sounds like, this is necessary to that. I think it, it really helps kind of, again, underscore what they're trying to do, which is this interesting like alt slash post-hardcore slash maybe some other tinges of stuff, um, spaciness and heaviness in a very different way than they had been playing with those ideas prior to this record. Yeah, I pretty much agree with all that. I mean, I, I'll I'll say too that this song made me realize, you know, I had this on CD when it came out. Yeah, it was one of those things I would just put it on and play it. And I don't think I dove too deep into the lyrics on this one. I more I more or less just had it on in the background most of the for time. Sure, for sure. And I could not have told you that Requiem and Decay of the Delay were different songs because they just flow so seamlessly together. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have been able to tell you where that track breaks into a different track. Um, but I think that to your point kind of plays to its favor. It works really well in the flow of it. Um, it feels like an extension of Requiem to me in a way. Um, mm, okay. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's just a total vibe track. I think it works really well in the flow of the record. It's like a space rock, more of a space rock feel on this one. Um, and I think it's nice as like almost an intro to the the last track, um, which is New Moon. So new moon, very airy, um, and 
made me ask this question. We were talking about genrefication and where do you place this, et cetera, et cetera. This song made me ask the question after listening to the whole thing and kind of coming to this point. Could this record be considered the most ag version of 90s indie rock? <laughs> and I'm talking about indie rock in that like somewhere between Yola Tango and then the more emo side of things, the Sunny Day Real Estate or Far or, you know, um, Texas is the Reason. This is more aggressive than all that stuff for sure. But I know for sure there were people who had this record in their collection right next to any of the things we also mentioned. I yeah. just said there, you know? Yeah. So what say you? You could make the case for that. Um, I, I feel like the case could maybe be better made that it just falls just within the post-hardcore camp. But yeah. there's so many different influences on this record that i think you know your average post-hardcore band is not really toying around with that i don't know there's a case to be made that it's on the indie end but um for the track i mean it kicks off with like with an acoustic guitar feel mellow feel to start out um it kind of feels like a big closing track to me Mm -hmm. um there's a big build um that kind of comes out of nowhere like three and a half minutes in Yep. Um, out of this repeating baseline, which I thought was really effective, is and I really thought it effective. worked really well in the length of the song to have it kind of in song flow, really nice. Yeah, I also love how this is like a deep cut, but if you listen, you can hear him kind of inhale before the big part. Um, and I've just listened to it so many times that like if I was listening to it at a higher volume, it kind of got me psyched when I heard the. The inhale oh, yeah. before the big the big closer. Um, again, not one of my go-to songs on the record, though. Like, I really only have like two or th- maybe two or three like go-to songs on this, but I really like this song. It's a great closer. It, it works really well in the flow of the record. Um, it's awesome. So, I don't know. Strong finish. Strong finish. All right. So, um, what is your go-to off Jupiter? Big riff. Okay, my go-to is Jupiter. Okay. But I think that's my note here is that I think it starts so strong. Those first three tracks are so strong. The rest of the record is good, but I almost have to, on subsequent listens, I did do a listen where I just was like, all right, all right. I know these first three songs inside out. Yeah. And skipped right to track four to do a little more. And it did, it changed my my listening a little bit because I wasn't, there's so much energy in those first three songs and no no doubt some hints of nostalgia mm-hmm. that uh, I wanted to make sure I was I was given fair listen. So did you just real quick and we don't have to go deep on this. Did you have any feelings for Antenna when it came out? Okay. No. Um in a very similar way, maybe in the way you gave the latter. I got Antenna maybe before it was out promo you know uh <laughs> promo cut cd for four dollars or something okay and it never stuck to me that's fair i feel I like had it, it had that effect on a lot of people and and now now i really want to go back and i really want to do a full discog on cave because 
um, one of the positive stuff I've heard about the most recent record, but two, I think some of it might might click a little more. But no, I, I think I was just looking for that energy of Ju- the song Jupiter, um, and I never found it. So it was sort of like it didn't come out of the gate and grab me. Sure. So I only gave it so many listens. I had it in a CD book for a long time. I'm thinking to myself about, you know, moving to California in 2003. Uh, I'm pretty sure Antenna was in that CD book. Yeah, I think um, it came out 2003. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was in that CD book, and it just didn't get the uh, the play. Um, Fair that enough. I would have loved it too. So, let's go for some scoring here. Holistic quality out of 20. The overall good of this record, Pete. So I'm going to give it a 13 mm-hmm. overall. Um, it's a record that uh, really affected me in a lot of ways. I was a really big fan of it. Um, but when I pick it apart, um, I love it as an album. I love it as like a nostalgic kind of timepiece. Um, but I'm not putting it on all the time. And some of the songs are very clearly stronger than the others in my opinion although i like all of them for sure for sure um for me it's a 14 i really like this record a lot (laughs) um i think it's really strong it's just that it dips off a little bit on the second side for me and it's not that it's bad it's just so strong at the beginning oh my god um (laughs) which leads into the next rating which is highs and i give it an eight I'm going to give it a nine. Damn, look the at you. The highs okay. are high for me on this the one. The highs are high. The yeah. lows. Lows, I'm going to give it a five. Because um, it's not like, that low. I like when we balance out. No, the lows are not that low. I give it a six for the lows. Okay. <laughs> um, competency and peer review, I give it an eight. I think uh, the competency is super high. Uh, obviously these are players who know their instruments and are very good. I think vocally what, um, what Steven Brodsky brings to the table is amazing. Uh, I think to pull that off is part of the really exciting part is to hear him sing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, the, yeah. And, and compared to their peers, I don't know that they had many peers who went with this direction sonically. You know, their peers prior to this were uh, uh, bands who continued forward on a more metallic lean and they went and kind of blazed their own trail. So, yeah. Uh, but as I mentioned, in terms of like, I think this stands up as a post hardcore record. Um, it's progressive, it's alternative, but it really shows a lot of the spacey element and tempo stuff that I think would put it in that broader category. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I gave this one an eight. Um, Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I gave this one an eight. Um, I think that it is like hyper competent, um, but also compared to the peers, like I'm an ISIS fan. Mm -hmm. And when I really think about it, this record came out in 2000. I think the first ISIS record uh, celestial came out in 2000 which is just like heavy 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 kind of neurosis vibe um 
And they kind of started doing what Caven were doing here on later records. Um, Interesting. Interesting. So it's like, it's, it's one of those things where, um, I mean, they were doing it very differently and they had their own thing going on, but, but I hear, I, I don't know. I imagine this was very impactful for a lot of people, particularly those people kind of within the scene that kind of said to themselves like, Oh, we can just do something else, you know? And, and, and this record actually affected me in that way as a kid where, it kind of made me less afraid to be interested in other kinds of music, which was very cool. Yes. I don't think this record gets the due credit it deserves for that. I think it definitely had a, Oh fuck this. I can do whatever I want energy. And that's really cool. Um, okay. Drag factor record doesn't really drag to me. There's parts, like I said, there's stronger parts, but overall I think it moves pretty well, even with some longer tracks where I, you know, I admitted to being kind of like dozing out. Um, it's a seven for me. Yeah. I'm going to give it a seven to, um, actually, you know what? I'm going to give it an eight. I feel like it flows really, really, really well. Um, and, or sorry, fuck. I was confused. Drag, drag so, no, it's okay. Flow. Well, they're, they're intrinsically kind of connected yeah. because I, my flow, I gave it a nine. I think it flows like all right so i'm gonna give it a, well i'm gonna give it a seven for drag and i'm gonna give it uh an eight for flow okay there you go um aesthetic the look and feel of this record um i love the artwork on this me too and let me just say i think it was influential artwork i think it's kind of one of the coolest hydrahead records and hydrahead was a label that put out a good handful of really cool records. I also think it's a lot cooler than the records that came. I think it looks a lot cooler than the EP that came right after it, Tides of Tomorrow and cooler than Antenna. Yep. And cooler than Perfect Pitch Black. <laughs> I, I think it's think, like, it's easily their coolest album cover. And I also, yeah, yeah. I love how like different pressings, it has a different color. I There's, like that they, too. They do such a good job with that kind of stuff. So uh, to me, it is an eight. I gave it an eight too. Good. Um, impact and influence. I'm giving it an eight. I think we we talked about that a little in terms of on audience as well as other bands. I don't know that they have a lot of direct descendants, but I think they exposed a lot of people to these ideas of, hey, you can go your own way. Yeah, for sure. Um, I agree. And actually I'm going to take it one further and give it a nine. Um, Damn, look for, at you. for two reasons. One is because again, it impacted me in this big way where it's like, Oh, I don't just have to listen to hardcore and punk. Like there's like all these other things and even hardcore bands can do different things. And that's interesting. Um, and impact in the way that I think now this record has become more influential and people look back really positively on it. Um, but sometimes negative attention can be good too. And I'm sure that they didn't like it at the time, but ultimately they got on a major label as a result of this record and did antenna. Yeah. Um, no question. <laughs> it like gave them, it, 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 it put it out into the world that this is a really interesting band that can do really interesting things. Um, even if they got a lot of flack for it at the time. So I'm going to give it a nine. And the intangibles, the et cetera. Um, to me, this is a really cool record and it feels cool and it always has. And I've liked it for over 20 years. Yep. And I will still sit with it, you know, uh, maybe not once a year, but I'm putting it on 
more frequently than other records that I really love. So, um, yeah, this is an eight for me on the intangibles. I'm going to give it a nine too here because I was talking about records that I'm going to take out of my collection. I am not going to take this one out of my collection. I'm keeping it. Um, and it mm. is one that I've gone back to. And I also just think it's worth, it's noteworthy that we've gone through a lot of records on this podcast that, you know, ha- probably had three or four songs that I go to regularly but then the rest of the tracks kind of fell a little flatter and I yeah, gave yeah. it a worse review. Whereas this record is consistently really, really good on full listen. Yeah. I just think that some of the moments of it are, you know, much higher than the rest of them, but it's still such a solid listen, such a great record. I'm, I'm going to give it a nine. Yeah. This is an album. Listen for everybody. For give sure. It, give it the whole album. For sure. I'm, uh, I, I came out to a 76 and that feels about right. Damn, man, we tied again. Damn it, dude. So, so All right, well, it's the records we like. We really do like these records. So, um, everybody, uh, please go follow us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at... At TraxPod. And send us those excellent, great, beaming emails to... TraxPod at gmail.com. And leave us five-star reviews, five stars only, at all your favorite podcast stores, centers, uh, websites. All over the place. And do us a solid. Go listen to Cave and Jupiter. See you next week.